without mincing words to make people comfortable. Jesus told the people of his day before Abraham was, I am. Jesus told them, I am God in human flesh. They were stunned by his claim. What an audacious thing for this man to say. And when he said it, they picked up stones to kill him. So we are discussing who Jesus is. We've been talking about it for several weeks. Who is Jesus? This is the last part of this series today. We'll conclude it today. And next weekend, we will do a one-part message. Um, It will be a three-hour sermon, but we will do it in one... No, it won't. No, that's not true. Come back next week. It will be one weekend, though, that we're going to dedicate to a particular topic. We won't talk to you about it. We'll let you know what that is next week when you get here. On the next week, we will begin a new series uh, two weeks from today, or two weeks from actually this past Thursday. We'll begin a new series um, on faith. We're going to talk about extreme faith, what faith means, what the Bible says about faith, how Christians ought to... um, strengthen their faith, how they can strengthen their faith. What does it mean to have faith? What does it not mean necessarily uh, to have faith? We'll be talking about those things in a couple weeks. We decided in this series, though, that if Jesus really was God in human flesh, I mean, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if he really was God in human flesh, then, then we felt like he would demonstrate that. I mean, why would Jesus, why would God come to earth if he wasn't going to demonstrate who he was. How would he demonstrate this fact that he is God? We said that he would demonstrate it by exercising power over the things that only God has power over. So a couple of weeks ago in Mark 2, we found out that Jesus had power over sin. When he forgave a man's sin, when a man was lowered down in front of him. You remember that story, how the guys tore the roof off and let the guy down, and Jesus looked at this crippled, paralytic man and did not heal him first, but saved him first from his sins, forgave his sins. The moment he forgave the man's sins, they said, hey, hey, this is wrong. Only God can forgive sin. So Jesus was showing us in forgiving that man's sin that he was God. Then last week in Luke 4, we discovered that Jesus was demonstrating his deity, the fact that he was God, by showing us his power over demons and devils. And because he has power over the enemy, you too who know him and have him living in your heart by faith, you have received him, you have experienced the new birth. Your sins have been forgiven and Jesus has come into your heart. You've given him your life. You've been born again then you have Jesus in you. And so you can battle the enemy greater as he that is in me than he that is in the world. I I will tell you, though, that apart from Jesus, you have no power against the enemy. No power. The Bible says you have exousion over the dunamis. Are y'all excited about that? The word exousion means authority. Dunamis is the word we get dynamite from. It means power. You have authority over the power of the enemy. You don't have more power than the enemy. One of my favorite characters on TV, and he's dead and gone now, but I see him in reruns. Some is Barney Fife. 
Can you see Barney Five standing on I-95? An 18-wheeler is coming about 70 miles an hour, and Barney cries out in his one and only voice, Stop! Now, that 18-wheeler doesn't have to stop because it is way more powerful than Barn. But there's something Barney's got. He's got a badge. And it says, the law enforcement of North Carolina. All law enforcement in North Carolina has given him authority to stand there and tell that power to stop. And that 18-wheeler better lock him down or Barney will lock him up. (laughs) Is Barney more powerful than the 18-wheeler? No, and you are not more powerful than Satan, the devil, demons. You are not. However, with Jesus in you, you have authority over power, and authority is better than power. Authority is way better than power. So some of you men need to walk through your house and tell the enemy to get out. You, you, you moms out there, you parents need to take authority. I'm telling you, we're putting up with stuff we don't have to put up with. We're letting him have control and power and influence in, it, influence in areas of our life that we don't have to allow it. You need to get right with God, and then in your rightness with God, you stand up and say, it is not me you are battling, sir, but it is the God in me, and I command you to leave my kids alone and get out of my house and stop trying to mess up my marriage and mess up my money. I'm telling you, you don't have to put up with a lot of the stuff you're putting up with. You know, a lot of people think you give your heart to Jesus and just hold on till Jesus comes, just hold on. I have to hold on. God didn't call anybody to survive. He's called you to thrive. Thrive in him. So I could preach on that, um, obviously. But uh, we found out that Jesus uh, proved he was God by his power over sin. He proved he was God by his power over demons and the devil himself. And now today we're going to find out in the book of John that he is going to demonstrate his deity, the fact that he is God, by showing us his power over death. So let's go to John chapter 2. I'm counting on his power over death because I'm counting on living forever. Anybody out there with me? See, you will not live forever if he doesn't have power over death. So this is very important to you personally. John 2, 19 through 22, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. And these really smart Jewish theologians missed it. Totally missed it. Right over their head. Because they replied in verse 20, it's taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days. But the temple he, Jesus, had spoken of was his own body. Now we see that John wrote his book after. Look look what he says in verse 22. He's He says, after he, Jesus, was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled this story. They remembered what he had said, and then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. His audience was stunned. They thought that Jesus was saying, you can tear this temple down right now if you want to, but in three days, I'll build it back. They thought Jesus was challenging them to tear the temple down, and he put together a construction crew and build it back in three days, and They were just messed up about that and didn't know what in the world he was talking about, but he was talking about his body. Now, the reason they didn't know what he was talking about 
is the reason a lot of you may not understand a lot of things about God. The Bible's very clear about this, and I'm not trying to be offensive, but the carnal mind, the fleshly mind, cannot comprehend spiritual things. If you're not walking intimately with God, you can read your Bible till you're blue in the face, but there will be things you will never understand until the author of the book is Lord in your life. The carnal mind cannot comprehend spiritual things. So they didn't get what he was talking about. But Jesus was talking about the temple of his own body. He was speaking of his own resurrection. If you destroy me, he said, and he knew they would, he said, I'll take, I'll take it back. If you take my life, I'll take it back. It is amazing to me that when Jesus died on the cross, it left the disciples confused. They didn't know what was going on. Even though before he died, he told them many times, I'm going to die. He was telling them right here in this story that I'm giving you today. Of course, his claim of rebuilding the temple in three days was just over the top again for this spiritual crowd, this church crowd. They didn't get it. John 10, 17 through 18, let's go there. Jesus said, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life. Remember we talked about this that last week when we talked about Jesus' authority over the enemy? The enemy did not take Jesus' life on the cross. Jesus what? Gave it. He said, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to do what? Take it up again. No one, look, look, look what Jesus, he makes this so clear. No one takes my life from me. He's like, I want you to get this. That ought to thrill you. That ought to make you shout hallelujah. That ought to make you excited today to know that you are his child. And he says, no one can destroy me unless I allow that to happen. He has all authority and all power and all sovereignty. He says, no one takes it from me. And then he says, but I lay it down. Remember when they came to arrest him last week? He said, this is your hour. Here's what he was saying to them. I'm going to let you do this. He's saying, I'm going to let you arrest me. I'm going to let you humiliate me. I'm going to let you mock me. I'm going to let you ridicule me. I'm going to let you hang me on a cross. He said, but I want you to know that I will come back. I will live again. He said, but I lay it down of my own accord. No one takes it from me, but I lay my life down of my own accord. Look what he says. I have what? Authority to lay it down, and I have what? authority to take it up again, and he said, this was given to me, this command I received was from my father. Then we go to John 11, and we find where Jesus kind of sums it all up. And he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live. Even though he dies physically, he won't really die because to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. So you don't really die. Once you become a Christian, you don't really ever die. You will take off the earth suit. I'll be glad about that, won't you? Does your earth suit ever hurt you? It just, does it ever just hurt sometimes? You don't know why. You know, I'm that age where all of a sudden my big toe just starts hurting. And I look at it and it's just there. Nothing's touched it. Nothing's done anything to it. And it's just there hurting Anybody with me out there? Somebody's just called about it right there. So <laughs> tell them about that. 
I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies physically. And whoever lives and believes in me will what? Never die. And then he said, do you believe this? Because see, he was on that scene where he kind of walked up where Mary and Martha were. And Lazarus was dead. And they were, Mary and Martha were ticked off. Because they had a plan and Jesus didn't go by it. Y'all ever get upset with God because you have a plan? He didn't go by it. See, when he got there, Lazarus wasn't sick anymore. He was dead. And Jesus said, Jesus is talking to them here. He says, I'm going to, I am the resurrection. I'm going to raise him back from the dead. And then Martha, you know, she says, we, we, Jesus, please. We know that. We know in the end that all of us are going to be raised from the dead. Jesus said, I am the resurrection of life. Roll the stone away. When he said roll the stone away, Martha went, hold. <laughs> he stinketh. <laughs> you know what Jesus did? Jesus went, what am I thinking? I am so slow. Thank God you're here, Martha. And we pick on Martha. But we do the same thing. Jesus puts something in our heart. Jesus lays something in our lap. Jesus says he's going to do something in our life. But you go, but Jesus, have you thought about? And Jesus goes, thank God you're there for me, to help me. No, that's absurd. That's absurd. You think you're going to come up with an excuse why you don't have to do something he's called you to do because you thought us, you found a loophole? Y'all remember old W.C. Fields? W.C. Fields. Uh, you old people. On his deathbed, he asked for a Bible. He had been a heathen all his life. He asked for a Bible. They gave him a Bible and said, Mr. Fields, why do you want a Bible? He said, I'm looking for a loophole. There aren't any loopholes. If God's spoken to you, if God's put something in your spirit, if God's called you to do something, you're not going to come up with something that's going to make God go, oh, in that case. I mean, he didn't go, no, 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 don't roll the stone away. I forgot, somebody get some Febreze. I mean, you know, I didn't even think about he stinketh. I mean, she said it in the King James Version, so it must be bad. Jesus said, roll the stone away, and they rolled the stone away, and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And you all know we've said it before. If he hadn't said Lazarus, all the graves would have burst open. He said, Lazarus, come forth, and... I don't know about y'all, but when I read the Bible, I want it to be like a movie. You know, I just want Lazarus to come out of the tomb. But it wasn't that glamorous. It was really more like... I'm serious. He was wrapped in grave clothes. He was like a mummy. And Jesus... Looked at that and went, please loose him and let him go, you know? It's right there in the Bible, Jesus said. Jesus was showing, demonstrating. Remember what we're saying? He showed us. He didn't just tell us, I've got power over death. He showed us. In John 5, 28 through 29, and I won't go into that or read it, but on, in that, if you're keeping notes, write that down. John 5, 28 through 29. He said, one day I'm going to raise everybody from the dead. Everybody he said, I'll raise some from the dead for eternal life in heaven. I'll raise some, by, some people from the dead 
for eternal death and hell. Jesus is the I am. He is the source of eternal life. He is life itself. You cannot have eternal life without Jesus. So we know he's God because he demonstrated his power over sin, his power over demons, his power over death. Let's look at a couple other things as we close this message. And in closing means what? Nothing. But it gives you hope. Yes. Everybody needs hope. Another thing that shows me that Jesus was God is is the fact that he, had, he exhibited, he showed us his deity by the power of his words. If you study the words of Jesus, I don't mean you wake up every morning and read your little internet devotion. But I mean when you get to a place in your life where that little email devotion that has a verse and three sentences and that's your, and I'm not against that. That's better than nothing, but not much. <laughs> But when you say that isn't enough, because you know we do when we're babies, we, we have the milk and the pablum and all of that, and then after a while we want some steak, amen? One of the problems in the church is this, we got grown people spiritually who are still on pablum, still drinking milk. They cause a lot of problems. They do. Now they all come to the second service, but still <laughs> it's something we need to talk about. If you got a 25-year-old, 30-year-old, 40, 50-year-old in your house still acting like a baby, that causes problems, don't it? Causes problems. Mm, I could preach on that. But if you study the words of Jesus, don't tempt me. If you study the words of Jesus, you'll find yourself amazed at what he said, the things he said. I mean, I mean, what he said and what he taught, it's just absolutely staggering. We've referenced this verse several times in this series, but let me give you the place it is in the Bible. You want to jot this down. John 7, 46 is that verse that says, never did a man speak like this man. Nobody ever spoke like this man. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the greatest literature ever written, read by more people, quoted by more authors, translated into more languages, set to more music than any other words that have ever been spoken or written, the word of God. The words of Jesus are the most pervasive words on the planet, and they have been since the day he spoke them. The greatness of his words lie in their pure, clear reality. Jesus always spoke clearly. He always spoke definitively. He always spoke authoritatively. He always spoke insightfully. He always spoke with great wisdom. He speaks clearly about the solution to problems. And those problems are pure riddles to us. But he always has the answer. The words of Jesus were profound every time. Accurate every time. His sermons, his parables, his commandments are an inexhaustible mine of knowledge and truth. Nicodemus, one of those religious guys with the big hat and the sparkly clothes, so everybody would know he was religious. The words of Jesus touched him, but he knew he could not meet with Jesus in the light of day, so he met with Jesus by night because he had questions. And I know a lot of people would like to throw this out of the Bible. I understand they would. There are a lot of 
religious movements and denominations and religious systems that wish this wasn't in the Bible, but it is because Nicodemus said, how do I get to heaven? And Jesus said, you must be born again. It's right there in John 3. And Nicodemus, being the brilliant mind that he was, said, you mean that I need to enter again into my mother's womb and be born again? And I'm sure Jesus wanted to look at him and go, what school did you go to? Smart guy. Jesus said, no, you've been born of woman. You must be born of the Spirit. That's what I preach here every Sunday. I want you to be born of the Spirit. You've been born of woman. If you weren't born of woman, I'd really like to see you right after the service. You were born of woman, but you must be born the second time, born of the Spirit. When he got through teaching, Nicodemus said in John 3, 2, look at this verse, you are a teacher come from God. This was one who was supposed to be his enemy, but he had a heart that was sincere, like Pilate, sincere enough that he knew who Jesus was. Jesus taught us about God. He taught us about angels and men and earth. Jesus taught us about money and sin. He talked about heaven and hell. He taught us about the past. He talked about the present. He prophesied about the future. No one ever posed a question that Jesus couldn't answer. This ought to be encouraging to you out there today. Nobody ever posed a question Jesus couldn't answer in a profound and practical way. Listen to this. This is a word for somebody today. Listen. Jesus never faced a problem that he did not solve. There's not a problem that exists he cannot solve. But you have to come before him and you have to lay it all down. And you cannot hold on to the things you love that you need to let go of and at the same time hold on to Jesus and get what you need from him. He wants you to let go of that and take hold of him with both hands. And when you do, blessing will begin to flow and understanding and, and strength to make it through the dark places. But you can't, you can't some of you are trying to do this. You're trying to hold on to the things you love that are pulling you back away from God and you're trying to hold on to God too. You can't do it. You can't do it. It's time to make him Lord of your life. Another way that he showed us he was God was through his miracles. In John 10, 37, Jesus basically said, if you're not gonna believe the words I say, then believe my works. Look at my works. I went through the Bible and just wrote down some notes. Let's look at some of the things he did. He controlled nature with no fanfare. He turned water into wine. That'll, that'll liven up a party. Some of y'all are nervous to laugh about that, I understand. He controlled nature with no fanfare. He turned water into wine. He stopped a storm, a storm dead in its tracks. He controlled fish in the Sea of Galilee and sent them where he wanted them to go. Y'all remember that story? Remember when Jesus was on the shore and he yelled out, hey, y'all caught anything? That's the southern version. He said this, actually. Children, have you any meat? That's the King James way of saying y'all caught anything. They said, no, sir. He said, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. They did, he actually did this twice in the scriptures. 
And I'm sure, you know, they're on the boat. They go, look, it's the preacher. Just do what he says. Make him feel good. It's the preacher. They threw the net on the other side of the boat. and Wham! 150 big ones hit the net. They pulled in the fish and it tore the net and they're standing there knee deep in fish going, who is that preacher? Because he knows how to fish. He multiplied food to feed over 25,000 people. You say, no, 5,000, no, 5,000 men plus women and children and every man and woman in the Bible I know of had a slew of young'uns. So I think there were about 25,000 people that day. A little boy brought his bread and fish, five loaves of bread and two little fish. And I mean, that's five little biscuits and a couple of sardines thrown in to smell up the bread and give it a little bit of flavor. Yummy. And that little boy, listen to me. This is going to be a word for somebody. I want you to get this. It's all he had. Jesus took it. Sometimes you're going to feel like you have nothing else to give. And he's going to ask you for that last little thing you got. That little boy took his lunch and he was hungry. He wanted something to eat. But I can see that little boy give Jesus his bag lunch. And Jesus took it. Some of you right now are hurting and you're on the verge of whether you're going to go toward God or go toward bitterness because stuff isn't working out in your life and you're questioning whether he loves you and whether he's going to take care of you. Listen to me. You're being tested. You're being tested. I will not forsake you. I will not turn my back on you. My seed don't beg bread. You will not be forsaken. So don't get bitter when you look around and you don't have stuff. Trust him, trust him, walk in him. He took that from that little boy. The Bible says he broke it. Sometimes he will not only take what you have, but he will break it up. But then he blessed it. And then he gave it. And everybody ate from that little boy's lunch, 25,000 people. Jesus said, take up what's left over and give it to that boy. Twelve basketfuls left over. He got home that day. His mama said, you stole that. <laughs> now, this is Pharaoh Hardison, chapter 2, verse 8. She said, if you will tell me the truth about how you got that, I will not spank you. He said, you might as well go ahead and spank me because you ain't going to believe this story. <laughs> Jesus cursed a fig tree and it dried up on the spot because Jesus don't put up with fruitlessness. That's why God's blessing this church because we're doing his work. Let me tell you something. Today we think we're it. The day we think we've arrived. The day we're not getting down and dirty with the lost. The day we're not getting out there and feeding the hungry and helping people who can't get their lives together. The day we don't care about that anymore. He's going to take his hand off and this place will die. Amen. This place will die. You say, but we got all the technology and, you know, you study and preach and we got kids. I don't care what we got. You don't do the work of Jesus. He goes, you don't need me. 
So he multiplied the food and gave it to the 25,000. He walked on the water. I love this part. He took money from the mouth of a fish when it came time to pay his taxes. I'm going to try that. I mean, don't hurt to try. All you got to do is go fishing. (laughs) He cursed that fig tree and it dried up on the spot. He spoke to disease and it disappeared. He healed a leper. He healed a paralytic. He healed a woman with a fever. He healed a nobleman's son. The nobleman's son, uh, the nobleman came and, and, was, and Jesus said, I'll go with you. And he said, he said, you don't have to go. You're a man of authority. You can just speak it. He understood authority. Oh, man, that's a great sermon right there. Jesus never left where he was and spoke healing to somebody a long way off. Are you glad he can do that? I'm glad he can do that. He healed a woman, a nobleman's son, who was critically ill. He healed a withered hand. He gave sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf and speech to the dumb. Ten lepers came up on him at one time. He was real busy, so he just healed them all at one time. Peter was a preacher with a sword. That is very dangerous. They came to arrest Jesus. Peter swung his sword at one of the soldiers. He was not after his ear. He was after his head. But preachers don't know how to use knives. So he whacked off his ear, and his ear fell on the ground, and Jesus picked up Malchus' ear and just stuck it right back on. Jesus healed a woman with severe bleeding, internal bleeding. He banished illness from Israel, really, during his time of ministry here. He raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. He raised the widow's son from the dead. He raised Lazarus from the dead. And the thing I love about all this is that there were many witnesses at all of these miracles. The people who hated him and couldn't stand him, they didn't deny it because it was undeniable. Let the record stand in Whitley Church today. Let the record stand in Whitley Church today. There's nobody like Jesus. There's none to be compared with Jesus. And here it is. I agree with the French for one time in my life. For in their Bible, John 3, 16, it says he is not the only begotten son of God. I love the word they use. He is the unique son of God. There's nobody like him. Don't even bring your gods up here after church and say, have you seen my God? Let Let me tell you who's behind every other God other than Jesus, Satan himself. All these religions, all these religions in the world, all these religions in the world that say, well, we're, that we believe this is the way, this is the way. Any other way other than Jesus, Satan is behind it because he wants to lead you to hell. He's the master of everything. Jesus is the master of everything. I thought about this. He's, he's the master of hungry crowds. He's the master of the sick. He's the master of the sinful. He's the master of demons and Satan. He's the master of nature and the master of angry Pharisees. He's the master of clever theologians whom he confounded. He was the master of a Roman governor and the master of a puppet king. And then I thought about, you know what? He's the master of himself. He was the master of himself. And I see that in the Garden of Gethsemane when the humanity is battling with the deity and Jesus looks up into heaven and goes, God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Yet, not my will, but thine. He battled the sweat, the blood, and the tears. That would be an awesome name for a group, singing group. Yet he comes forth triumphant and victorious. 
because he was 100% sold out, dedicated to his father's will. He mastered the terrible agony of the cross. In the book of Philippians, Paul says Jesus died. But he didn't just die, he died, Paul says, even the death of the cross. And the reason Paul said Jesus died even the death of the cross is because that was the most horrible way to die. He said, Paul wanted to know Jesus didn't just die, he died on the cross. Because it was torturous. Then he mastered death and rose from the dead. He mastered everything he faced. Listen to this. All around Jesus, his whole life on this earth, was fury and chaos and hatred and bitterness. Yet through it all, he was calm. He was the master of his own heart. He was the master of his own mind. He was the master of his tongue. He was the master of his will. Jesus was so in control, no matter how bad the chaos got, that even while he hung on the cross with nails in his hands and feet and, and, and ripped on his back and flesh hanging down where they had whipped him and, and the crown of thorns, and the Bible says they buffeted him, they beat his face, and, and the Old Testament prophet Isaiah says they beat him so bad that he looked like an animal when they got through beating him. And there's all that blood and there's all that that agony and he's pierced in his side and there's, there's filth and blood and in the midst of all that chaos and all that fury and all that hatred and the evil things that were being cried out at him as he hung on that cross, Jesus pauses to forgive a man who repents of his sin on the cross beside him and opens the gates of paradise to him that day. There's nobody like Jesus. If you want me to water down Jesus, you need to find another church. If God became man, we would expect him to have a miraculous entrance into into this world, wouldn't we? He did. He was born of a virgin. If God became man, we would expect him to be sinless, wouldn't we? Live a holy life, and he did. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Satan over and over and over tried to find some flaw in him, but he could not because Jesus was holy harmless and undefiled and separated from sin. If God became a man, we would expect his words to be clear and true and pure, authoritative, and they were. If God became a man, we would expect him to manifest supernatural power, and he did. If God became a man, we would expect him to have a universal permanent influence on the world, and he does. If God became a man, we would expect him to accomplish his purpose, and he has. So, we're left with two choices. It's not multiple choice. It's not four choices. It's two choices. You can hear this series. You can hear this one sermon right here today. Maybe you had not heard the other sermons. That's fine. You heard this one today. And you can reject it and go about your way. Or you can say, you know what? I've gone far enough without him. He is the son of God. Never a man spake like this man. You are a teacher come from God. Some of you 
haven't sold out to God because preachers have let you down and churches have let you down and other Christians have let you down. You know what you got to do? You got to get your eyes off people. I'll let you down. You come to this church long enough, I will disappoint you. I will fail you. Our church will not come through when you thought they were going to come through for you. We don't offer a 100% guarantee when you come to this church because we're a bunch of human beings with broken lives trying to get the put back together by him just like you are. And we disappoint each other and we fail each other, but he will never fail you. You say, well, I don't like your music, and I don't like all those videos, and I don't like this church. Well, get with Jesus and go to church somewhere. It isn't about us. It isn't about signing on here. I don't care whether you sign on here or not. He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw men. So I'm not trying to build a great big church here. Nobody's trying to, we want to get you to Jesus. If you end up at the Methodist church or the church of God or the Baptist church or the assemblies of God or free will Baptist, all of them. I don't care about that. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Hypocrites in the church. <laughs> Call 60 minutes. That's big news. There always has been hypocrites, always will be. There are hypocrites in the church. Sometimes I'm the hypocrite. Y'all look so holy. Sometimes it is me. Sometimes I don't follow through on stuff I claim. I'm a man. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Bow your head. Let me just say this and then we'll pray. What you decide about Jesus is going to determine where you spend forever. What you decide about Jesus is going to determine where, where you spend eternity. You say, well, I want the Holy Spirit and I want the power of God and I want the anointing and I want to be able to pray to the You got to go through the gate. And when you walk through Jesus, who is the door, the gate, the way, the truth, the life, when you walk through that, there are many, many blessings beyond that, but you got to walk through the gate first. So in your own words, I'm just going to say a prayer here that you could pray, but put it in your own words. Dear Lord, I'm not going any further without you. I've offered up all kinds of excuses why I don't commit to you and get in a church somewhere and serve you. And I thought I had a lot of good excuses, but this preacher has messed me up today. And my excuses are nothing. I come here today to give you my life. I didn't know I was going to be at that place at the end of this service, but I'm there, and I want you to come in my life and forgive my sins. Farrell Hardison can't save me. Whitley Church can't save me. No denomination can save me. Only you. Wash away my sins right now. You died for me on the cross. You rose from the dead so I could have life, and I receive that today. I receive what you did for me, and now I receive you, Lord Jesus. I've been running from you, sir. I've been running, but no more. I need you. I need you help me to, to help me be a better person. I need you to help me to be the mom I need to be, the dad I need to be. I, 
I need your wisdom in my life. I need your guidance. I need your light. But above all things, Lord, I need you to forgive my sin, and I don't deserve it. I don't deserve that you would forgive me. I don't deserve anything from you, but your mercy and grace and love is beyond anything I know about or understand. And I ask you to come in my life today. Come in my life right now. Forgive my sins. Everybody look up. Now, many of you prayed that prayer. You made a decision. Now, listen to me. Listen. The enemy is going to try to talk you out of that commitment you just made. Don't let him. Go right back here to this table. There's a table over here on this side, and it has a packet of material. It has some information in there that will help you grow and help you get your roots down. Now, if you don't like this church or this isn't where you feel like you fit, maybe you want a smaller church, we actually offer that to you too. We got the bridge in Goldsboro and it's a smaller church, but maybe you don't like our open worship. Maybe you don't like a preacher in blue jeans, whatever. Find a church that's preaching the truth and get in that church and get your roots down. Listen to me, Jesus is coming. You gotta quit messing around. You gotta quit playing. Jesus is coming. He's coming. If you're going to make a decision, now's the time. Today is the day. This is your hour. Stop running. Pick up that packet of material. Maybe you've got a friend who you've led to the Lord or you're trying to lead the Lord. Pick up a packet for them. Those of you who are here for the first time, we've got a gift for you. As a matter of fact, if you're here for the first time, you can go to both tables. Isn't that awesome? Hey, guys, we love you so much. Thank you for coming to church today. God bless you.